Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. Before we listen to my next guest, I want to ask that if you like the podcast, please subscribe to the channel and leave a positive review so we can grow this channel. I've been working really hard for you guys to grow by putting systems in place that bring on guests who are very valuable to you. And I'm just going to be honest, it hasn't been an easy ride. So I would certainly appreciate your support. Also, let me know your thoughts by texting me at 714-294-0269. Again, 714-294-0269. Zero two six nine. Last time, seven one four two nine four zero two six nine. To ask about details and to receive future podcasts directly to your cell phone. Let's continue with the podcast. Awesome. So I'm here with David Meltzer. Thank you for uh, scheduling. So let me just tell you how you know I got in touch with you. Yep. I posted on LinkedIn the people that I would really want to to interview. And out of the, I think, 20 people, like the people that were like my dream podcasts, you were one of them, and you were one of the people that responded off of uh, this post. So I'm really grateful for that. Uh, of course. Really, really appreciate it. Um, so I know a little bit about your story. Um, I don't know where you want to start. It's up to you. But uh, let's start like from maybe like early age. So sure. five years, uh, 10 years old, right? Well, let's start at five. Let's start at five. Yes, I was thinking about five. in my life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, my dad leaves, uh-huh. six kids, single mom in Akron, Ohio. Right. And I feel, number one, responsible for some reason for everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. And super happy kid, entrepreneurial, happy, you know, four brothers and a sister, very competitive. Uh, siblings are more academic. My mom, you know, truly believed the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, that it was doctor, lawyer, failure. <laughs> just ingrained in me. I always joke around that she raised us as a black belt of the martial arts. Uh, She was a third degree black belt in the martial art of Jewish guilt. (laughs) So there's a lot of that going on. I only thing time I wasn't happy was, you know, we were so poor. My mom worked two jobs, packed our dinner in a station wagon. She filled up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven after she taught uh, greeting cards in I just caught her crying a bunch of times because she was financially stressed. Right. So in my mind, but your your dad was rich though. I mean, dad dad very yeah. really well. He married right. a girl closer to my age than him. Uh, but back then in the seventies, you know, there there wasn't you know kind of the deadbeat dad scene, and there was less controls on it, and you know it was more right. socially acceptable right. for whatever reason. For me though, that didn't really bother me until my dad forgot my birthday when I was ten, and then. Uh, lied to me and at that time that 10 year old time yeah he said he doesn't believe in birthdays right right that's what he said which really bothered me and you know wasn't that he forgot my birthday right i could deal with that but it that at that moment i learned that my dad was a liar a cheater a manipulator an overseller and a back-end seller just like i had heard and that was my hero right and so that set me on a course all i wanted to do was be rich to buy my mom a house and a car i wanted money i'd make money any way that i could and I was going to be rich. I was going to play football if I had to, then be a doctor if I had to. Then finally uh, fell in, you know, I was joked around, got ran over. And I played college football, got ran over my first play. And I was on my back. And I remember saying to myself, doctor, lawyer, failure. <laughs> so then I went to be a doctor like my yeah. oldest brother. Learned right. I hated hospitals. And so then became a lawyer. What yeah. type of doctor is your older brother? I, my older brother was a pediatric allergist. So he passed away actually. Oh, um, sorry but yeah, that. he was 28 years old, uh, but he was a pediatrician and he, um, 
was extra. He, he was one of those kids from the time he was five, right. wanting to be a doctor. With the three years of college, it was just like in his DNA. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was born to be a doctor. That's all he wanted to do. And right. uh, you know, my siblings all went to the Ivy Leagues. They're extremely hyper academic. Right. I noticed I didn't say intelligent. I think one of the lessons that I teach my kids, and maybe I have a chip on my shoulder, and I'm just projecting my own insecurity, but I think that too many people are, you know, judgment. They put conditions on judgments just because someone gets good grades. They call them smart. Right. I, it doesn't equate to right. me. And, and as technology progresses and as the world changes quickly, you know, I've met a ton of geniuses that haven't graduated from high school. I've met geniuses that have failed course after course after course. Yeah, because maybe it's not their passion. Maybe they just don't like it. Like sometimes when you just don't like it, you just, they're going to be super bad at it. Of course. Know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's interesting because I look now when I see resumes, because half the people I hire are from references and half are from resumes. And equally, Percentage wise, they're successful at the same rate. So, just to tell you, neither is one is better or worse. They're just okay. different. But I look on resumes to see where I see a pattern of success. Like, I'd rather see someone that, like, in the visual arts and all these creative things, got A plus, A plus, A plus. Yeah. But, like, in math and Spanish, get D's and F's. So, their total GPA yeah. means nothing to me. Right, because right, I'm not going to hire them to speak Spanish for me or do calculus. Right. Right. If I'm hiring a creative who's passionate about creativity yeah. Yeah. and got A plus, do you actually look at transcripts and stuff? Or uh, very rarely look at a transcript, but I look at a resume. Yeah, and in an interview, I'll ask, you know, you know, how'd you do? Where do you, you know, what was your best right. class? What was your worst class? Right, right. You know, sometimes you know, the, if, if it's a salesperson, I like to see B's on everything. Because it means they're like a hard worker yeah. and they're, they're smart enough to like get yeah. a B in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that background is great for sales because they can talk English, history, math. Yeah. yeah. So there's different ways to look at things. So for me, it's weird because I, I, I would, if I, the harder the class, the better the grade I would get. Nice. And it's cool. Yeah. So if it was too, you should like, have taken easy, all APs, dude. <laughs> uh, I t in high school, um, I did some, but yeah, yeah but uh, probably didn't apply myself as much as I should have in uh, in school. I'm sure everybody is to some extent like that, except like Absolutely. the Harvard graduates. My brothers, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they over apply themselves. I, I think that's why I project those because I know that I'm just as intelligent as my siblings. I obviously genetically I must be. But, you yeah, know, academically, yeah. I understand and I process right. things quickly. I've done fairly well in my career, but I just didn't like spending my entire day studying. Right. And I saw my siblings who went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, That's all their entire That's day studying where I was like, you know, I, I told my child when she went to college, I said, please, because she's very much like my siblings. Yeah. Straight A student, hyper competitive right. in that respect. I said, let me tell you a rule that I learned. It takes half as much time to get all A's and a B as it does to get all A's. That last A half is much, the beast. Half as much, yeah. wow. It, that that last A is always, when you got six, you know, five or six classes, that yeah, last A, hard classes, yeah. that last A is the beast. That's the one that takes just as much time as the other classes. So I just, you know, relegated myself that I'll get all A's and a B. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I and love I suggested that. my daughter do the same thing. Got it, I love that. So, okay, so just from your story, yeah, um, you had, uh, I think it was your 30th birthday. Mm -hmm. Your dad gave you a jacket. Right? Yeah. So just Tell to catch that. you up to 30 real quick. So I get, I get out of law school. I was going to be an oil and gas litigator yeah. making six figures. And I ended up selling legal research online in nine months, a millionaire. 
buy my mom a house in a car, go up to the Silicon Valley. We right. sold that company for $3.4 billion. I uh, was blessed to be hired by right. that type of company. Thomson Reuters bought us and then went to the Silicon Valley, made even more money in uh, Sand Hill Road, the middleware space, and then became CEO of the world's first smartphone called the PCE phone. Right. But at 30 years old, my dad uh, reconnected with me. Mm -hmm. uh, we had spoken, but we were not close at all. But he sent me a big birthday present, a jacket with no pockets. Right. Uh, so you've achieved, you've achieved like a certain level of financial success. Yeah, multimillionaire by yeah. 30. Multimillionaire by 30. Yeah. Um, and and you've, you're kind of almost like treading in the, on the trail that, that your dad has uh, yeah. gone on. And so now you're at this point where you're like, okay, I've, I've, I've made it to some extent. And, uh, and, and then you get a jacket from your dad. I, yeah, the I first get this gift, birthday this, present. This is, this is 20 first, years. Is this the first present? That in 20 years. Okay. In 20 years. And first I thought present. for sure it was going to be, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You know, here's this beautiful jacket. But it wasn't. It was a jacket. Beautiful. Fit me. But he had torn all the pockets out. Right. And so, you know, it was kind of conflictual to me. I called him and asked him, why would you do this? And he said, because I want this jacket. I go, I can't wear it. He said, yeah, just hang it in your closet. I wanted to remind you of me. Right. And I was like, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, backend seller. I'm nothing like you. And he said, you're going to end up being the richest man in the cemetery. You need to learn the lessons that I didn't learn when I was your age. Right. I want you to be happy. I, I'm telling you this because I love you. Still never told me he was proud of me his entire life. But he said, I love so you. That was, that was his way of showing love. But he didn't know how to show love in any other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and he... Uh, but that jacket saved my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It really did because I was on that road and I didn't realize it. You know, I wanted to just be rich. Money could buy love, happiness in my yeah. mind. Everything was driven by the dollar. And uh, I, I was on that road until a few things after that happened. One, my friend, we went golfing, my best friend. Uh, since I've known my wife since the fourth grade, right? And my friend at this point, at this point, I remember you, you didn't really have too many friends at that real point. friends, real friends. I you had, had a, bunch, you had a of bunch of bad friends, yeah, yeah. You had a bunch of bad friends, yeah. And I had so, new friends yeah, that, yeah. that love to take, <laughs> yeah, right, and and yeah. say yes to me and blow my mm -hmm. ego up all the time. But mm, I went golfing with my friend from who asked my wife to go steady with me sixth grade camp as a favor and she said no tell him to ask me himself so i threw egg at her uh but anyway this yeah. is a real friend right. and he said to me i said man how come we don't hang out anymore right and he said because i don't like who you hang out with and i right. proceeded to tell him well i'm not like those guys and he said you can lie to me but don't lie to yourself right and like my heart still sinks yeah. because i literally went home crying wow. i went home crying because it was so true mm -hmm. And I was so miserable and unhappy and lonely for the first time in my life. And I didn't like who I was. That's why I was hanging around the people that I shouldn't be hanging out with. No more than two weeks after that, I was lying to my wife. Uh, I was running Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. So the appearance to everybody else yeah. is I'm a multimillionaire running the most notable sports agency in everybody's the world. Everybody's looking up to you. Lee, Warren like, Moon's yeah. my partner there. I'm representing yeah, like Moon. unbelievable yeah. superstars. And meanwhile, I'm miserable, and I literally lie to my wife to go party with Little John the Rapper at the Grammy Awards, which is just yeah. last night, and it was my anniversary, I guess, from years and years ago. Yeah. I was, you know, drunk, probably high, came home from lying. I, I packed different clothes I left in a suit telling my wife I had a business meeting. Right. 
and ended up at the Grammy Awards and came home 5.30 in the morning and she was waiting for me. And here's the cool thing, I don't know how cool it is, but like she was so pissed at me and most people, I got pissed back. Right. Like I was looking right. at her like, are you crazy? You know, look your at ego. This, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Ego. I was like, yeah. are you crazy? Yeah. You're not happy. Are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Do what we live in? What are you going to yeah. do without party me? With little John. Come on. <laughs> so that, I went to bed and you would think I'd wake up with some yeah. sort of hum humility or humbleness. I literally was going to call one of my friends that I went to law school with to be my divorce lawyer. I was so pissed, yeah. like thinking, how dare her? And then I told you that jacket saved my life because I looked over right. and I still think, remember today, I looked at that, that jacket in the closet and I'm like, oh shit, I'm just like my dad. And it just clicked, all of it just came. It clicked and I, I had to process yeah. it for a few hours yeah. because I was crying, I was right. depressed, I was like scared more than anything. And I was every minute that went by I became more and more appreciative of how unbelievable my wife is and my mom. Like, mm. the, like, unbelievable. You, you said you talked about your mom at one point, the person that cared about you the most, the person that, like, just was there for you regardless, right? And at one point, you looked at your mom, and you're like, you're a loser because you're not making money like dad. Right? Oh, when, I was, was from, like the, when like, I was a little yeah. boy, I was yeah, in the yeah. back of the car, yeah. and I literally am like, yeah. why can't you be... And I, you know, you're, you're seven or six, and you all you oh, see is so you, that was okay. That I was, was little, that, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. little, but I, I have all this guilt that I carried with me because well, I you're literally... you're seven, took, six, yeah, you don't know. I sure. didn't know, but yeah, she yeah, never yeah. said one bad thing about him. Yeah. Like she was, and that's then, incredible. And then that's you know, incredible. I lost everything. Yeah. After this, two years later, after I went through a transformation, after I learned about how to be of service and, you, and provide, and then you value. understood. You looked in your mom's eyes. You're like, oh, you know. yeah. And I had to go tell yeah. her I lost her house in my bankruptcy. <sighs> right. Jeez. And all she said was, "Can I help you? Do you need any money?" Like I thought she'd be crushed and cry and disappointed in me or guilt me at the very and, least. Yeah. But it was unconditional like, love. That's how your dad would have reacted. For sure. For, For sure. sure. That's yeah. how I would have reacted at 30, right? I blame, shame, yeah, yeah. and justification. That's where I lived. Yeah. But my mom lived in a different world. She lived in a world that I took on. And my wife, you know, sometimes they say you married a girl just like your mom. Thank God, right? Because I married <laughs> a girl yeah. that lives in gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, not in some monetary world that I was stuck in. There's yeah. two worlds. And, I and I'm blessed because I learned the monetary world. But there's this other world that you need to blend into this world. And right. it's one of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. And one well, it of seems faith. like you reached an inflection point in your spirituality at that point, right? Yeah, at and least a journey kind of yeah. <laughs> some spirituality. You know, like, uh, I sense, I, like, uh, you, it seems like you're very mature regarding that aspect. Um, now. Just, yeah, now. Um, just with my communications with you and your staff, I can tell like you, you've definitely reached a level of like maturity regarding spirituality. Um, just the fact that, you know, you even responded to my post, like I have a decent following on LinkedIn, but you know, out of all the people, like I, you know, tag like Mark Cuban, like all these guys yeah. that, you know, you wouldn't give good me guys. A, yeah, yeah. Good guys. Good guys. Um, I'd love to interview Mark, you know, at one point, you will. um, but you know, like I, I just, you know, I, I just was very appreciative. I'm like, I, as my, as like, I'm going through my journey, I'm, I'm noticing people that are like helping me along, you know? Yeah. I noticed and, that in Kobe Bryant. What was that? Right. When I got to interview Kobe Bryant and with him, that was so the first, sad. first thing yeah. I noticed was what you're, what you're saying to me yeah. is what I told Kobe. 
And I, you know, I've been around the biggest names in sports. Right. So I can tell when the ego in the distinction yeah. of the real deal yeah. and the maturity or right. enlightenment of spirituality, right. of being so grounded, of truly, right. you know, truly living his passion. And it wasn't basketball. Right, it was to elevate others to elevate himself. I love that. And he used. You, don't, you never used to hear those stories, like about Kobe. You used to hear like, oh, he was calling people out on the court. He was so passionate about like winning yeah. that he was like. But it seemed like through that process that most people grew around him. Like they didn't, they weren't like complacent. They actually had to like step their game up around him. Yeah, he and was no that, joke. Yeah. No matter if you were Shaquille O'Neal or some scrub, he was going to yeah. bring the most out of you until the last single game that he played when he dropped 60 right. you know, in his last game. He, right. he was there to live to his potential and make you live to yours. Mm -hmm. So when his job, right, his activity that he got paid for was playing basketball, he was gonna elevate everyone. When he was with his children and they wanted to go to China with him because he was the ambassador for, for right. basketball, for the right. Chinese Basketball Association, he told his daughters then learn Mandarin, be my, my right. translator, you know, when his daughter wanted to play back, like he was going to raise all of the WNBA. He was going to men and women basketball. This is that. Kobe Bryant. But you didn't, you didn't hear about that. But now you're starting to like, people are starting to Stories come out. Stories are coming like, out, right. Yeah, yeah. Because now he's passed away and people are like, I need to, I need to tell people this stuff, you know, because he's yeah. not getting credit and, you know, because he, you know. Well, I hope it also serves as a reminder of a few things, you know, getting into to Kobe for me. One, what a spirit of excellence can do. Right. He won an Academy Award. Right. That's no joke. Right. right? That, he, you know, his Mamba Academy, Body Armor, he over $2 billion in business. Wow. Right. That's He's amazing. no joke. Right. Uh, and then that's a spirit of excellence that carries everywhere he goes. Then you have the subtleties of success. A man that wakes up every morning at 4 a.m. like myself and has a consistent you wake system. Up at four? Yeah. Oh, you a don't consistent... beat Sam Bakhtiar, by the way. No. So, uh, that's 3.45, somebody... right? <laughs> yeah. Sam's... No, no, 3 a.m. A three. No, not only that. No, gets... Joe, Josh, or uh, Josh, the uh, gym guy's guy. Yeah. I forgot. Josh, you work. It's Thank the you. first time I ever heard that, 3 a.m. And on top of that, his staff was waking up at 3 a.m. too. Like... I would like maybe I'll institute that. What do you think, guys? <laughs> but like, so, so they're so, like, shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Don't blame me. Uh, but like, yeah, so I get in and, and uh, I was, I would think I was asking him a question about working, you know, when am I going to receive like the, the video or something? Like, it's just like conversation. He's yeah. like, well, he's like, I get up at 3 a.m. And I was like, wow, you get up at 3 a.m. And I was like, wow, I was really impressed with the videographer. And, and then I started talking with Sam. He's like, yeah, I get, I get up at 3 a.m. And I, you know, my staff just kind of follows along. Um, so th this is another guy that was like, that gave, you know, I noticed, I noticed these things and I want to make a like. Sam has the nicest laundry room in the history of laundry rooms. Did you get to see it? I, no, I wish you would have given me you the guess, tour. Oh yeah. I, I saw, but going in his it's house, like it was four freaking things nice. in there. I'm like, dude, I got all these kids. Why didn't <laughs> I think of this? Yeah. Custom. Oh, yeah. Sick. But, but. Sam, okay, Sam is one of the first people that really like, you know, you know, like you said that with, with Kobe, like on your journey, like going up. So Sam was one, Patrick Bet David was another. Good guy. He was like, yeah, totally. He gave me like, gave me, and what I noticed is like, I used to get pissed off initially, like when I would reach out to people that were, I like, I'm, I feel like I'm somewhat established in, in business and they're established more in, on the influencer, yeah. you know, spectrum. I totally get that. And so I would sometimes get a little pissed off and it'd be like, whoa, dude, why are like, why aren't you giving me a chance? Right. And, um, 
but now I'm like, I kind of feel sorry for people that don't give people a chance. Right. And you, people like you, like, that's the point I'm making is people like you that are already reached like a very high level are like, Hey, let's do a podcast together. Let's, let's do 40 minutes of this, whatever the case may be. And you wouldn't expect it. Like, cause you, you go through that and you're like, why would I expect it from David? Here's a lesson. Yeah. And this, hopefully they can take this away. If you have a need to be offended, it mm-hmm. will feed itself every day. I, yeah, it's I the agree e- with that. like I agree literally. With that. Like yeah. I tell people, I wish the people that are homeless that need have a need for a house or need for food. Totally, I wish it would be fed as easy yeah. as the need to be offended or the need to be right or the need to be resentful. Absolutely. And so, anytime that you're feeling offended, right, right, it's 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 a it's a personal. It thing. is because it's think not, of, yeah. think yeah. about it this way. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, having perspective, uh, my business partner is like I, he's accessible, mm-hmm. productive man. He lives 90 some percent of his life to help other people. Right. Like event, unpaid events, kids, schools, all types of things, stops for hours. Right. But this is the perspective, you know, let, let's say that I have, you know, a hundred francs that I'm trying to accommodate. And right. I do, at least I have learned you, to oh, communicate. Easily, easily you do. Yeah. Right. I, easily, I try yeah. to communicate yeah. and just be patient. I'll right. get to you. Well, I was coming, we landed in Seattle, Warren Moon and I, Hall of right. Fame quarterback, my business partner. We landed in, and he he has a son at the time, he may have been eight or nine, and he was responsible for picking his son up from basketball practice. Right. So any of you out there that have kids know the pressure, uh, if you're in activity you get paid for, right. to make sure you get there on time. Right. Last thing you ever want to do is have your kid waiting for you. <laughs> Anyways, we land. And sure enough, we're in Seattle, so everybody and their mother, he went to University of Washington, won the Rose Bowl MVP, and worked for the Seahawks, played quarterback for Seattle. He's pretty popular there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We land at the airport, and it's like Muhammad Ali. Because once somebody recognizes you, then everybody wants a piece of you or whatever. And, well, you know, when it was one person, you know, he stopped and took a picture with them. But now it's a ton of people. Yeah. Right? And so he says, we have to get to the basketball practice. He said... I'm so sorry. I'd love to take pictures with all of you, but I have a personal issue. I really have to go. I'm sorry. And as we're leaving, somebody you know yells, "Fucking asshole!" Oh man. So you know, I think sometimes some of these influencers or whatever, right, right. You know, like Mark, they for get, example. They get it. Yeah, they get I, it all the time. I, for Mark, for me, he's Mark, nice though. I, he's yeah. never been mean to me. No, he's, he's amazing. Been, uh, pretty nice. I was. He's communicated around. back and forth. Right, Mark Cuban. His, he. Yeah, like Bob Proctor, Mark Cuban, Jack Canfield. I'm trying to think some bigger names. It's amazing, like the bigger friends that I have, uh, the Hunt family. Like, you yeah. know, whenever I email, it seems like they get right back to me in two seconds, and then I have like all these other guys. I was like, you wanted to do with me, and it took you two weeks. Yeah, like, I have this I girl yeah, in dude, Florida. I'm going through that me crap to look right at now. a business plan, and I literally it was three months ago. I just got it, and it was like not a business plan. It was a one page executive summary. I'm like. What are you doing? D- David, I, I reached out to a bunch of people on Instagram saying, I'm going to pay you this much. Like 10 people, no response. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, it's amazing. But you cannot, you know, look at things in an all monetary state, right? People create interference and corrosion to the connection sure. that they have. And so people like Mark Cuban have a, a really clear connection and he's going to be gracious. He may not be able to have time to give you an interview. He, he responded but to me once. eventually will. Responds to me once. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, alone, you know. Um, but uh okay, cool. So uh let's let's go back into 
what you attribute your financial success to, success to. Yeah. Like for me, what's most interesting is like your spiritual spirituality and you know, the level you've come to. But I think a lot of people also that my podcast is all about growth, you know, like, Good. uh, growth minded people, people that want to scale. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like, uh, uh, you know, startup entrepreneur. I want people that everyone to learn on my podcast, but people that want to grow, How, what do you attribute your financial success to? Do you feel like it was just in your DNA? Like there's no way you wouldn't five, make money. Five, five things. So yeah. one, you, you have to look in the spectrum of conscious, subconscious and unconscious. So unconsciously I have an unconscious competency. My personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions are built to make money. Right. That doesn't mean everyone that has those are going to make money. Right. Like a lot of times they end up compulsive gamblers, drug addicts, and alcoholics, yeah. and they don't yeah. make anything. Um, but consciously, I'm a quick decision maker because I know my values. Uh, and so elevating your awareness to when to buy or sell uh, is a key component of making money. Mm-hmm. And so based off of my personal experiential giving and receiving values, I have a firm grip, great clarity and confidence in my decision-making capability of when to buy or sell people, places, things, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Two, I have learned how to utilize the emotional attachment of others in order to share a vision, utilizing a series of questions based off of how I provide value, uh, and then ask a series of questions of how you can help me. Then I am absolutely live my life with a lens of productivity, accessibility, right. and gratitude. Right. Like unbelievable, whether it's in person, on the phone, via email, or media, radio, print, TV, social media, I'm consistently paying attention and putting my intention into the coincidences, making money, right. that I like to have yeah. by that kaleidoscope. Productivity is how much value am I going to provide in the circumstance. Accessibility is how accessible am I to others like you and how am I accessing what I want. And of course, gratitude gives me the I get to do, not the I got to do attitude, the try me, not the why me attitude, the glass is half full attitude. Yeah. Uh, And then fourth, one of the, I stay present. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, but one of the pragmatic tools to making money is do shit. Money loves speed. Yeah, money oh, loves speed, man. Yeah, 100%. And if you're not doing, and if you're like, so I'm a doer. I literally ask myself, whatever appears in my life, can I do it now? Because if I can, I do it. It saves over half as much time and exponentially is more successful. Yeah. I told the yeah. kids today in my office, I said, you know, watching the golf at the farmers down in San Diego, I said, one thing I hold true in my life 100% of all short putts don't go in. But another thing that holds true is 100% of the things that I do now get done. Mm, I like that. Can't say that about other things like that you that. put off. Yeah. 100% of the things I do now get done just like 100% of the short you always don't like that? Were you always like that? No, like, this is a learned, no. learned, this is a learned thing. Okay. And then last but not least, yeah. I have to tie in the spirituality side. Uh, those are very pragmatic things. You know, know your values, make quick decisions, ask and attract through a series of questions. Right. Be, pay attention, intention. Those are all, and especially do it now. But the last one is the most powerful, and it took me a long time to learn. The biggest practice that I have to make money is I practice ending fear. Ironically, mm-hmm. all of the four things that I listed off create fear. When, when you start putting faith into things, you know, making quick decisions, it causes fear. Mm. Right. When you're asking people how you can be of service and of value and asking them for help, it creates fear. When you literally look at life and productivity, accessibility and gratitude, it creates fear. Mm -hmm. When you do things now, it creates fear. 
right? right? So I practice ending fear. How do I do that? I raise my awareness to what makes me fearful, anxious, frustrated. In other words, the need to be right, separate, inferior, superior, angry, all these feelings. Yeah, whenever you have a reaction. I practice ending it. I I literally make it a practice. Just like, you know, the analogy, we'll use another golf one because the Farmers Open was this weekend. You slice a ball in the woods, right? You're practicing ending the slice, Mm. right? right? So practice ending fear the same way you practice ending a slice. Hmm, okay. I feel like people don't see it that way. They see no. it, a lot of people, they see it as like, oh, this is who I am or, you know. The unconscious competency. Yeah. And you may have a tendency through your personality traits, characteristics, right. obsessions, and addictions handed down by great-grandparents, grandparents, parents to you to be that. But it doesn't mean because your dad's an alcoholic it's not or not predeterministic. Or yeah. You can break the chain by consistent behavior. What's consistent behavior? It's something that you don't quit and you practice. Right. So practice ending fear, even though you think it's inherent in your unconscious competency, doesn't mean you can't change your thermostat. Right, right. So like, if, let's say there's an area that you, you want to change. Let's say, you know, financially or spiritually, like you're like, you put an intention to like, I want to change this, right? How do I do um, it? What, what are the first steps? Lo- you- number one, I lower yeah. the bar. And I make it a priority. Lower the bar. I lower the bar. Okay. I make it a priority so uh-huh. I can do it every single day. And I give it a minimum amount of minutes. Let me give you an example. Uh-huh. I always put my family first and then oh, my, my work, this, right? Yeah. Then my wife, she said to me, we, we recovered. We, I lost over $100 million on paper, recovered, living an extraordinary life, right? I make a lot of money to help a lot of people and have fun. But I asked my wife, what can I do for you? Save my life. You are my guidepost. I will do anything for you. What, what do you want? She, oh, she said to me, I just want you to take care of yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm always taking care of my sister. No, no. I need you to take mm-hmm. care of yourself and put yourself first because if you take care of yourself, I know you'll take care of everyone else. So I shifted, like you said, I want to do something. I wanted to be healthy. So I said, I'm going to give myself today, it's a minimum of one hour. But initially, I said, I'm going to put my tennis shoes on. Yeah. And yeah. so it helps a lot. But every day, I'm not going to miss a day because. Every day gives you exponential results. Two minutes a day gives you more than two hours on a weekend. I'll give you. What uh? What time do you normally work out? Four right. a.m. No, so I meditate at four to four twenty. Yeah. I get ready in ten minutes. I go to the gym from four thirty to five thirty. This is on my normal routine. I have an adaptable routine for the days that I travel or yeah. have to go to a wedding or a bachelor party. But so four a.m. wake up, twenty minutes of meditation, ten minutes get ready. Four thirty to five thirty, I go work out. Five thirty to six thirty is research time. Uh, it's the same thing every day. Every day when every I'm day. in my normal yeah. routine. Yeah, gotcha. So, and, and you right, five thirty yeah. to six thirty, I study, study my calendar, study for books. You know, I'm, I'm accessing six thirty to seven thirty is family time. So I get ready with my kids. I make breakfasts, lunches, like the normal dad. Seven thirty to eight fifteen, I do coaching calls. I then execute on my student of the calendar from the attention and intention from eight fifteen until four forty five. Four forty five, I have coaching calls on my drive home. Wow. Five thirty to seven thirty is family time. No interruptions. No computers. No phones. um, to 9 o'clock is whatever I want, free time. It could be more working out. It could be research. It could Mm. be more family time, whatever I want. 9 o'clock, I put my 9-year-old to bed. I do have minimums, so 30 minutes with my wife a day, 30 minutes with my 9-year-old a day, 2 minutes with my three teenager daughters a day, and 1 minute with my mom. And I added this year as my New Year's resolution. I do 1 minute of push-ups a day and call one relative I haven't talked to while I'm doing push-ups. Crazy. While you're doing push-ups? Yeah, I made a point. Wait a second. You're you're like doing push-ups, and then you're like... Yeah, because I wanted to prove to people you could overlap. 
right <laughs> and so gotcha it's like I, double know, booking and visit like exactly i'm overlapping it's you know a minute of push-ups is good for you yeah right? i remember i used to brag like when i would get I, I would like try to schedule like 18 appointments in a day yeah and i would be like i would just overlap he'd be like i'm gonna i'm gonna do windows of time do you do that too or? oh yeah call it holding court yeah you nailed it man yeah that's yeah. exactly yeah and not nine i i try to stay up to 11 but that I try to stay. I used to lie right. to people and say, I wake up before and go to bed at 11, and my wife would be like, <laughs> So I tell people, Just I to try cool. to stay at 11. Yeah. I, and also, I wasn't good because it wasn't healthy yeah. for people to think that I could live only on five hours of sleep every single day. Yeah. But I will tell you, nobody's going to outproduce me. And a lot of days I live on f- five hours of sleep, but that's the minimum I get. So for business, like I got referred to Ben Anderson, yep. like right yeah. next door. Yeah, the best. That guy. There's something genetic about that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you feel like? Yeah, dude, dude he is like... productive, man. He is a maniac. Yeah. Up at four. He he laughs because, you know, he owns the building next to me, and yeah. I own this building, and I see that Rolls Royce out there. I'm like, you ever notice the two nicest cars in the driveway are owned by the guys here at 4 a.m., <laughs> right? Like, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of this Although like I drive level. a Volt now. <laughs> yeah, I drive a Prius. So. No, I love Priuses. Yeah? Oh, <laughs> Heck yeah, I'm a huge Prius fan. Yeah, I love try to get the, my kids to drive them. Really? Yeah, I yeah. love the Volt too. Though are they to be like, honest. Daddy, I need to buy this or that. Or... Yeah, of course they are. Oh, okay. And, and you know like what? I'm not a no person. How are we gonna get it? So I just share and the responsibility. My kid tells yeah. me they want a Ferrari. Not a problem. I'll buy, pay for half of it. I'll match your funds. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Yes. But but why half? Why not like you know you're gonna earn everything, every penny. Nah, because I wanted realistic. I I, I literally I would love. Yeah. I would love for them to learn, you uh-huh. know, to buy a Ferrari and for me to pay half, including the repairs, so they can learn the lessons that I learned about a Ferrari when I bought it. Right. And give them the opportunity to, you know, feed their ego and realize that a Ferrari will break down if you don't drive it. A Ferrari will break down if you drive it too much. And when it breaks down, you won't be able to afford to fix it. Now, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Even with me paying half. Right. Right. The first time the window shield gets cracked and in, instead of $180, it's 8,000. Yeah. Right. Oh, be like, Jesus. Okay, lesson or, or learned. A tire, or a tire for like right. 10 grand right. or something. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's so much better. And if I made them pay for the whole thing and they actually did it. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't have the same effect. Like it would be either they've made so much money they wouldn't give a crap, or two. That's, that's an interesting. It would perspective. devastate them. I like that. It I would like devastate that. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, I, the guys got mad at me the other day. I got one more minute because I got another interview. Listen yeah, yeah. to this. They got mad because I told my kid that if they get straight A's, they can buy any used car that they want within this reason, like mm. price range. Okay, let's say seventeen thousand dollars and below. Right. They can buy any car they want used. Or new if they wanted, but that's the price range. Right. If they got straight A's, right? And like one of the guys, like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, it's just like the real world, right? <laughs> you know, like right. you do well, yeah, exactly, know? yeah. And then, what, then what happens if they that's get a true. B? I didn't, I didn't think about that. It's the yeah, real world. That's true. And all my kids get straight A's. All right, man. And they well, drive nicer cars than me. <laughs> I love that. So okay, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you listening to this podcast, um, we have very big audience. Uh, yeah, different you. types of audience. Well, how would they get a hold of you? So number one, yeah. if they want to join my text community, they could text me directly and get text from me. So it's nine four nine okay two nine eight two nine zero five. Otherwise, my name David Meltzer, like Seltzer with an M, okay. David Meltzer. At David Meltzer on Instagram, David Meltzer on YouTube. The only thing that's not David Meltzer to find me, you can Google David Meltzer, is my website is D Meltzer. First initial, last name. Awesome. 